This is the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast, where we explore the beauty of Judaism, the depth of Jewish wisdom, and how to live a more empowered life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. It is my great pleasure today to share with you a conversation that I had with one of the most accomplished, talented, creative singer, songwriter, music producers that I know. His name out in the world is Dustin Paul. In our home, we know him as David Zewodowski. I'm also privileged to have him come into my home and uh, teach my children music. But he is accomplished in the sense that his music has really reached international acclaim. He's won awards. His music has been featured on documentaries that are on Netflix. He's won awards for his music in various different uh, countries. His music has been featured on commercials. So he's really, really accomplished. And it's kind of an unusual usual uh it's an unusual story in the sense that um you know lots of lots of musicians who are orthodox observant try to create music specifically for you know a specific demographic but yet dustin paul's music is really out in the world and he's continuing to create music that has sort of these positive universal messages about positivity uh, loving yourself dealing with mental health challenges and uh, we speak about a lot of that. A lot of our, our, our conversation today shared with me clips of his music. So you can really get a sense. If you don't know him, you can get a sense of his music through the podcast. And I know that after you hear his music and you hear his message and you get to learn a little bit about him, you'll really want to jump in to his music. We love it over here in the Bucksbaum household. And you just may love it as well, especially after you hear this conversation. So I hope you enjoy Dustin Paul, David Zewodowski, right here on the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. Take a listen. It's a good day to be alive. It's a good day. It is a good day to be alive, and it's a great day because we have Dustin Paul, David Wadowski on the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. Dustin, okay. welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for having me. This is super cool. I've not done something like this before yet, so I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Thank you. Good. What a way to come in. What, what a way to come in with that music. It's a good day to be alive. Dustin, for our audience, we have Dustin Paul's the stage name, David Wadowski is the name that he uses when he comes into our home to teach our children the art of music. Um, tell us a little bit just about, because you have a very, very unique career in the sense that, you know, you're an Orthodox guy, but yet your music, you're, you're such an accomplished musician and if such a, you're, with the breadth of who you reach with your music is so wonderful and interesting. And I'm just looking over at your bio. I'm not going to read the whole thing now, but you've won so many interesting awards and your music has been featured on documentaries and commercials and you've won competitions. So maybe you can just share with the audience a little bit about who you are. Not We'll get into your story afterwards, but just who you are. Tell us a little bit about your music and who you're reaching with your music. Well, first off, yeah, Dustin Paul, I mean, um, actually, I would never choose that as a stage name. No offense to my parents, but <laughs> I, actually, it's my real name. You chose it as your stage name. <laughs> uh, and, and ironically, um, they really liked Dustin Hoffman and Paul McCartney when I uh, was born and we were, um, you know, not really affiliated um, or with uh, any Jewish kind of practices or communities. So it was kind of just like name after some celebrities, you know, why not, whatever. Um but yeah, uh, so my music is uh, different because, yeah, I, I grew up, you know, kind of secular and then uh, midway through we became observant. And so I kind of have this these two sides to me that that are constantly, you know, forces in my life, which is like my influences as, as a young kid. And then as I got older, kind of being more spiritual with my choices and lifestyle. So uh, it's kind of been a weird 
spot to be in, you know, kind of dancing on two sides of the line um, in my life and in my career. Um, some of my friends used to say I live a double life, you know, because mm -hmm. like, they'll see me, you know, on Shabbat and, and doing that and then going out and playing venues and stuff. And it's like, you seem like a different person, you know. But so I'm not a different person. It's just kind of like, you know, trying to get two sides of me to focus and meet the one goal and mission which uh, is becoming more refined as I do this longer. It, it's uh, interesting, though. I just want to say on that, because your journey, the journey itself, we've had on, on the podcast, and there's out there in sort of the Jewish music world, musicians that have become more spiritual and then have channeled in their music. Uh, you know, let, let's say, for example, like we had Nissen Black on the podcast, who was a musician, and then went through his Jewish journey and then decided to create music for, you know, the Orthodox world. We've had some other musicians like that also. Um, but yet it's interesting because with your music, you seem to be keeping it sort of global universal. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I grew up like, you know, in rock bands and um, doing kind of more secular sounding music, even more secular sounding than actually my own solo stuff. If you listen to my you know, if anyone here is uh, going to spend any time listening to my solo Dustin Paul stuff, like the stuff I did with my band was even more secular than that. Um, and it never, I mean, I just kind of did it um, because it was like everyone in the band were, were songwriters and we kind of, and everyone's opinion got pushed on to me as the singer. So like a lot of times I'd be singing a song that was really not really from me. It was from someone else in the band. So it became a little bit like too many cooks in the kitchen, but it was, it was an awesome experience and way to get into music. Um, so, uh, where I was going with that is that my own music, I was able to do what I, what I want with it, which is kind of to, uh, have a universal message that's uplifting and, um, but to anybody, like you, anyone around the world can hear it and, and be like, oh, I get that. But then also people who know me personally and, and my journey will be like, oh, I know where he's coming from with that, you know, like, um, you know, listening to a lot of secular music growing up. I always, I was, I, mean, I still am kind of, an, of a naive person. I mean, and it's my strength and my weakness, you know. Um, I would listen to songs on the radio, like about, I later would learn what they're about. But to me, I was always like thinking about like, they're, they're talking about God or they're talking about, yeah. you know, it's about their girlfriend or something. Um, I always say there's a song lyric that I always quote, a song lyric of where, you know, the singer is obviously speaking about, you know, whoever she's speaking about in her life. And she says something like, you're always here. You're always there. You're everywhere. But right now, I just need you here. And I'm like, what a beautiful message about a person's relationship right. with God, right? right you're right. always there. You're everywhere. But I don't right. need you everywhere. I need you right here. It's such a powerful line, you know? Right. Right. So the yeah, the, the, it's a testament to the power of music itself. Like, you don't, you might not even know what they're saying. But like, the fact that it's, it's presented in this melody and, and this lyric and this composition and like completely the way you look at it and interpret it is just completely transformed into like your you, from where you stand your vantage point so like when they like exactly that you know like um i would learn later on these songs that i'm listening to are about this and this when you hear from the artist and it's like really i thought it was like about self-introspection and you know like i i always gravitated towards more spiritual stuff even when i wasn't really involved and so you know very kind of you know, like I said, like naive and wet behind the ears growing up, like not knowing a lot. So I was just always, I listened to a lot of secular music and didn't know what they were talking about. And I just made my own definition with it. Um, so yeah, so that that's basically how I got to where I am now. I, you know, I mean, I, I was going to say like, uh, it's like a sheer, sheer vibe, you know, like that, that's, you know, I mean, um, show my mouth, you know, like that was almost banned, right? Because right um because of, of it was that. so explicit it was so yeah, explicit yeah, yeah. And, and 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 confusing but yet when people understood that really he was revealing that the deepest possible way to communicate with Hashem to communicate with God is to write a love song a, a very explicit love song you know yeah and and in that sense like I still even even though like I really want to show my roots more in my music or like what I stand for in music which is you know um my spiritual kind of journey and lifestyle, I still find myself writing these songs that sound like they're 
you know, these secular love songs, but like, that's not usually, most of the time it's not what I'm thinking about. So it, it's kind of like frustrating, but, but also it's, it's nice because, you know, anyone can listen to it and take what they want from it. Um, just a lot of, you know, hardcore Jewish music listeners will be like, oh, I'm not gonna, you know, I, I, that's not, doesn't sound so kosher to me or this or that. So I don't know. Um, but with my solo stuff, yeah, I'm making it like very uh, meant to be uplifting and um, just emotional and self uh, introspective and um, just feel good, all of the above kind of good vibes. You know? It's interesting what you, what you just mentioned, because I know that we spoke about this in a previous conversation that we had. And that is that like the Jewish music world is so interesting right now and how the, the walls I would say the walls are coming down or the doors are opening up and people that are looking to listen to Jewish music are open to so many more things. I, I was telling this to Nissen Black when he was on the podcast where, you know, when I was growing up, you, Jewish music was so in the box and anyone that, you know, slightly tried to push the boundaries, right. uh, you know, no one knew, people freaked out. No one knew what to do with it. And now, you know, we are finding these widening genres, even within the Jewish music world. And, and Jewish music listeners are more open to, um, you know, secular sounding music and understanding that, you know, there is some that there is a certain there, there's a certain demographic that will only connect to that. But also there's so much talent and there's so much creativity that can be expressed in that way that is actually sacred and that is holy and that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally, uh, I remember, I, I remember the, um, the evolution of, of Jewish music for sure. Like, I was listening to um, when we were becoming observant. I was, I mean, I loved Avram Freed, and um, they had like the Journeys. You know, we listened to it in Variations, which was like parodies of popular, um, classic songs, put it with with like a Jewish twist with the lyrics. You know, so um, that was really it, and everything else was very, very yeah. It was like uh, cheesy keyboard sounds and and right. and, and a saxophone done on a keyboard and stuff like that, um, which which is nice and it's fun. But um, to see nowadays like all the different artists coming out and and breaking the the walls down, um, it's really inspiring to me. It's like, I, you know, I, I look up to a lot of these people now because it's like they're trying to do what I want to still want to do, which is combine the worlds, combine like new sounds, be progressive with the sound, but 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 still, you know kind of being more and more true to myself um, and less and less trying to make a product because that's how I kind of got into music was to make, write a hit song and, you know, make it that way. But um, becoming an artist has has become um, my main journey over the last few years. And so that's what I'm diving into. Yeah. And share some of the highlights because again, because we didn't read your whole bio, share some of the highlights because again, I have a whole page right in front of me, but share some of the things just, you know, going back to, it looks like going back to, you know, 2018, 2019, share some of the things that have been some of the highlights of your music career. Um, Well, yeah, let's start with uh, Good Day to Be Alive, which, which we you opened the, the podcast with, which is one of my favorites. And I still think that um, it hasn't seen the light, light of day. Like I think more people need to hear it. Um, not just from because because it's me, but because I think it's it would be great in the world right now. But uh, that was my first solo uh, release as a solo artist after my band kind of dissipated, um, and that did a lot for me. Yeah, it's um, I did a remix of that with a DJ, and it was uh, in Portugal actually, and it was um, on uh, Kiss FM um, in uh, over there, and also on MTV the music video. And they did like an actual a countrywide competition where um, all the kids, all different schools danced to it to see who can do the best dance to it. And then there was a big concert at the end of that's the awesome. competition. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of, I mean, yeah. Oh, that song won like a songwriting, international songwriting competition, one of the one of the winners. And then through that, I got to meet some people in TV and film to, to place my music and sign a deal off of that. To, and then uh, some of my other songs got in. Um, my song, uh, My Beautiful Life, that I wrote with um, some guys from my band, but ended up releasing it under my name. Uh, that was in um, two different Nissan commercials um, a couple summers ago, which was awesome. I mean, it's just always awesome to get a sing placement like that. Um, um, and yeah, uh, let's see what else. I ended up collaborating with a lot of DJs because besides my own music, I end up 
I, I'm a songwriter and, and singer and an artist, but like as far as production, like I always, I usually go out to get some help to finish like the tracks, you know. Um, so I ended up collaborating with a lot of producers and then DJs also. So this one, um, this one DJ also from actually, there was a while where I was working with a lot of DJs in Portugal. This one DJ from another DJ from Portugal, um, we had a song called Shiver and that was, um, played at uh, a lot of he plays at some of the biggest festivals over there and it was on the radio over there also so um that was really cool yeah i mean it's just writing the most songs you can and and working with talented people as much as possible do i have a clip of my beautiful life i have a clip of that let's see yeah you should okay let's let's play a little bit of that one because you mentioned this let's get this one let's see this one up right over here my beautiful life nothing's gonna stop me now musical inspirations like where do you get your your sound from it's always a hard 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 um thing for me to pin down because it constantly changes but i mean i grew up yeah i grew up in the early 2000s so um oh, and even the late 90s so a lot of the the rock music from the late 90s like i love the bands like um third eye blind and incubus and dave matthews and all those guys but also um john mayer and i i love um even more classic stuff like sting and peter gabriel um, you know, I love Coldplay. Um, but then, you know, listening to what's popular ever since then. And then, I mean, it's all variations of, of what come, came before it. So, um, yeah, I could go on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I see the, the theme over here. So there's my beautiful life. It's a good day to be alive. Lucky day. So that seems to be something that, you know, excites you looking at you know the, the the positive of the moment but maybe speak a little bit about just like the thought the the process the creative process of what you choose to write music about what is what motivates you when you sit down to write something yeah um i guess yeah i didn't do that on purpose um and it's funny i was i, I well i was on something else um not really so similar to this but there's this um, really hilarious Jewish comedian, Elon Gold, and he yeah, I know. he had at this show um, during the pandemic and he had me on and he said, um, he's like, you're writing all these songs. Like, what do you, you don't have any problems like the rest of us or something like that? <laughs> but like, um, I, I kind of a similar kind of um, question, but I, I had to respond like, so it's kind of my therapy. So the, the, the thing is that like, I've, I've been through a lot, like my most recent single, I talk about like the depression I've been through and then I bring other people in, into, into it in the music video. And so these songs are actually kind of like my, my punch back, you know, at, at life circumstances and, and hard times. So it's kind of like me fighting back as opposed to me being in that state constantly. So it's like a therapy, um, kind of going to the op the other extreme of what I've been through, you know? So it kind of, to kind of weigh it out, sometimes you need to go to the other extreme. If you're on one side, you need to go to the other to get in, to land in the middle, you know? So I write these songs. Um, I wouldn't say like to cheer me up, but um, to, when I write them, it's kind of like my inner, you know, Neshama kind of like talking to me as opposed to um, the physical downer. Right, right. <laughs> And it works in your music also. When you hear the words, like I know for us, you know, we're, we're in the car, okay, and kids are fetching, whatever it is. And then we're like, you know, because obviously you're you're a household name, you know, my 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 kids are like they love it, you know, and in, in our in, in our home, Dustin Paul is you know Mordechai ben David, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> wow. uh, but but it's impossible to hear someone sing, it's a good day to be alive, or today's your lucky day, and not like you feel it, you feel it in your kishkas. You know, one of the things we speak about a lot in this podcast is that like you know, joy does not mean that you have no problems. 
joy is like you just said your your fight back or your pushback right the greatest joy the greatest ecstasy is when you are feeling broken and and you find the energy to like push back against that what comes out of that that's like real ecstasy that's like you feel like a champion you know exactly yeah so i was going to say another word i i would use to describe my music is empowering like empowerment like anthems like that's my like one of my go-tos like that's just where i go naturally and that's basically what you said which is like to get on top of the problem and own it um whatever that takes and sometimes that takes a lot of failure first you know to get to that point um so it's about the struggle and and getting and and the and winning is not is losing a lot first you know um that's how the, that's how the best become the best you know watch any rocky movie or uh you know, listen to any um, really good story about somebody making it. It's it, it's not just about winning. It's being able to take failure and falling down with grace, you know? Um, so that's definitely true. I, I agree with that. Tell me a little bit about the... And then we'll get back to you, to your music in a moment. But I'm curious to hear just a little bit about, like, sort of the, the work the work-life balance or just the, the, the life of someone who's so immersed, uh, you know, in, in your music, are you involved in lots of different projects at once? Is it the type of thing that like you're right, you're in the studio every day recording or you're writing every day, or do you go through dry spells? I'm just curious to hear like about the overall kind of, you have to give a snapshot of like the life of someone creating music at this level. Yeah. It's, um, Again, By the way, you're also you're you're also a married guy with a family, you know. Also, so right. you're juggling that. Right. Yeah, it's not easy. Um, I only I don't even know how I'm still doing this. It's like, um, that's one thing I have to wake up every day and remind myself. Even when things are going horrible, it's like I get to go make music in my own little studio uh, and go work with the creative people, and not go sit in a cubicle. You know. Um, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. I'm not like throwing shade at anyone who does a cubicle job because. There's some great jobs like that too, but I'm saying for me personally, I, I can never do it. I mean, I never was a school guy and I was always just being creative. And the fact that I get to do it and not have to begrudgingly go to some office every day that I won't last at um, is a big blessing. And I, I attribute it all to like prayer. And, um, you know, I've done a lot of beseeching God to be able to do what I, what I do. Um, and I've seen it play out in real time. It doesn't make any sense. Um, especially when everyone around me is like moving on with their life, let's say, and I'm still like in the rock band from high school or whatever, <laughs> uh, but I'm still, I'm able to make it work and, and it's incredible. So I, again, to answer your question, like I would say most artists would say it's a blessing and a curse because it's like, you don't have a nine to five where you can just go and shut up, go home and shut off. You know, it's like, you'll go to sleep and still be thinking about a song you wrote and it'll bother you that you didn't, you know, you have the right melody, but the lyric isn't right yet, or you have a lyric, but the melody isn't right yet. And you know that if you don't get this song right or get something out there to do something soon, then you're not going to be able to pay your bills, you know? Um, and it's, you know, it's any creative position probably has this. I mean, even someone in like creative marketing or some, anyone doing something creative, um, but music obviously has a different kind of power. Um, one of my favorite musicians said something like, um, music is the only thing besides sneezing and looking at a sunset that's above the mundane <laughs> yeah, yeah, sneezing is kind of yeah crazy but uh, right. um and sunsets are too um but yeah it, it's uh i'm always working uh i tend to work on a lot of projects projects at once i just got into that mode because i help people finish their projects i you know i write for other artists i i do this minimal production for other artists ideas like that songwriting sometimes you know I've gotten people send me poems and I turn them into songs and recordings, things like that. Um, sing somebody's at a wedding anniversary. They want to have me record some songs for them. Um, but yeah, my own music has always been my main thing and my end goal. Um, quick um, digression or on the same topic, I was actually doing my own music for a long time. Then I do my own music like I said, with these side projects kind of thing. And then uh, during the pandemic, I actually signed a, my first record deal, like as a solo artist, like a real record deal. And I was super excited. It was with some legendary people. Um, 
one of the ex-CEOs of Universal Music in a, in a certain country, which I'll tell you in a second. And then someone else who's a legend over here in, in America, they started their own label and they signed me and it was going to be like just everything I wanted since I started in music. And it was for a while, a little bit. Um, turns out that one of the main offices, so the, it was the ex-CEO of, I'm not going to name drop, but I'll tell you was, ex-CEO of Universal Music in the Ukraine. Now Ukraine hmm. is a key uh, country in this. Uh, everyone, Ukraine's on everybody's mind. So basically the whole thing fell apart after a little while because the war broke out. Um, oh man. And they had to evacuate the offices and they owed me a lot and they couldn't, and I was like, they don't know when they're going to, if they're ever going to get back on their feet. And it was like, ouch, there's another reason for me not to like Putin, but. Um, right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to complain. Um, people are running for their lives and, and I, you know, just lost my deal, but um, I didn't mm. lose it. Actually. I had to just not, stay stay with it because i didn't know you know right i think they still wanted me to stick around but it was just like i can't just wait, sit there and wait and it's still not that was that was like two years ago so um anyway so at that point though for example during that time i was just like i'm not doing anything but my own music right now full time all the time um that's still, when you when you had the label yeah because i because it was and then like, you were now being paid to create your yeah, own constantly. yeah yeah right. yeah and, and there's, there are many times I just work on my own music um, and nothing else. One time when things are good with me putting out new stuff or I get some cool sync placements and playing shows, stuff like that. But um, always trying to upgrade and, and make a better situation for my family and myself. So whatever is music, I'm on it. Yeah. The uh, reason that I love hearing this and, and I love sharing this with the audience is because I just think it's so important. And, you know, I, people who, that are listening to the podcast are all ages, all stages, but uh, it's it's so important for people, especially when they see performers, they hear your music, which is so good. And, you know, they see your stuff and they see your brand, which is so polished on the outside. And now it's it's just it's fascinating to hear you talk and just, you know, the ins and the outs and the hustling that is necessary and the highs and the lows to really be able to produce what's so beautiful on the outside is so important for people to realize, like, what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, and that's a good point, like, especially with social media and everything, like everyone's trying to put on their best pictures and their best videos. And and I'm not going to lie, like, I'll, I'll try to do the same. Other times I'll be more vulnerable and show what I'm going through, like with this last song I did. But um, it, it's it's really not that, you know, it's not everyone's human and uh, people try to make themselves seem like they're not because it's we all we all like perfection. Like, that's just a human thing. Like, we all love perfection, but no one ever really has it um but everyone wants to show that they they have it so um it, it, it's it's not the way human beings are no matter what industry you're in you don't see what goes on behind the scenes you don't see what, what goes on behind closed doors and that's why not judging anybody is is another you know that's another facet to learn that idea from like you can't judge anyone because um you don't know anything really about them you know, no matter what they show, even if they show you a lot, you still don't know anything, you know. Um, I want to hear a little bit about your collab with Nissan Black. Let me play this clip for everyone, the clip from Human Greatness. And uh, and then I want to hear a little bit about how this came about. This is Human Greatness collaboration with Nissan Black. In the eyes of the beholders, they lifting them boulders. I can only do it if you with me. I cannot move on my own, yeah. You know we all got to manage This one, the human greatness one, this obviously, you know, what I, I would say, at least in my home, you know, once it was together with Nissan Black, then it was like, you know, this merging of all different worlds. So speak a little bit about the song Human Greatness and um, and uh, how it came about that you chose Nissan Black or that you did this collaborate with Nissan Black. And also, like, what what did that do for your career and did that tap you into like a new audience? Right. So, um, like I said, I've, I've been on this journey to kind of merge who I am and my music 
um, more um, since I came from a very, you know, commercial quote unquote band where it was just like make hit songs and, and the soul was missing in a lot of them for me in the band. And, and that's because I didn't, I wasn't ready to put myself into it. So uh, I, yeah, trying to cross over and, and, and Nissan has always been an, an inspiration to me. I mean, his background and where he comes from is just unfathomable. Um, and what he's done with his life uh, and, and incorporating music into it, such inspiration to me. And, and he's super talented also. So um, when I had this song, actually there was a previous version that came out with a couple of DJs, as I told you, I, I work with some DJ, I work with DJs a lot. Um, and I thought to myself, it was very electronic. I was like, this would sound awesome, just acoustic. Like I was just gonna put out an acoustic version of Human Greatness. Um, I had the song already basically without Neeson's parts, obviously. It was just the chorus and the, the verse. And um, I started recording like an acoustic version. And then I was like, you know, long shot, cause I've never spoken to him before. Um, and I don't know what, his, you know, what his deal is like with working with other people, but I'm just gonna shoot like the song over to hit his, the email address that I found online or whatever. And um, and see if they, he wants to do the verses or whatever, you know? And uh, they ended up being back to me and they loved it, which was really exciting for me. And, um, so again, Nisim like kind of is on both sides of the line, like even more than I am. Like, you know, he comes from like such extreme different worlds and he merges it together in such a like amazing way. So I was like, he, I can relate to what he, his music and his message. And I just thought it would be awesome just to collab with him in general. So yeah, they loved it. He recorded one, he recorded one verse in Israel. Um, and then we met up in, uh, in Brooklyn a few months later and recorded the second verse in Brooklyn at, at a studio that we rented out. And uh, everybody really loved the song. So it's like, let's do a video for it. So we did the video um, and the rest is history. Yeah, it was great meeting with him and working, uh, meeting him and working with him. What's the message? If you had to capture the message of the song. Uh, so the message, like for me, I wrote it during the pandemic, uh, at least my, you know, my parts. And um, it was, a, it was like everyone being so negative and, and, and seeing really the bad in everybody, like all the political and, science that got mixed together and and people hating everybody and everything and being stuck in their house it was about um it was kind of like you know i think um mr it's like a mr rogers quote um look if you ever see a tragedy on tv you know always look for the helpers you know you always see helpers you know so it's like basically um people don't realize what the good what good is actually going on here too and like people are rising to it an occasion that is unprecedented um and it, although there's a lot of negativity and a lot of uncertainty like there's, a, there's another side to that which is that people are being pushed to their limits as human beings like to figure this out scientists and you know um people at hospitals and people even just stuck in their in their homes like trying to hang on and um some people became worse off for it unfortunately and some people became stronger from it you know having to go through a challenge and like we said like coming out of the, the other end uh, in a better spot um so it was just about like the idea that we can you know human greatness like what is that and how that is actually something that we all have um inside of us and it's just like a matter of squeezing it out you know I love that. I'm just curious, is there any reason why you decided to invoke your mother as sort of being your, your role <laughs> model for that? <laughs> just um, yeah. yeah, my parents have looked at me uh, oddly a few times when they hear the song <laughs> or when they were watching it and like, I never said, like, I never said that. Or <laughs> uh, well, I said to them, like, first of all, they, they may have said it to me through just the way I was brought up, not in, in one sentence, you know, right. um, that, that chorus. Um, so I, I do feel like that's true to like how awesome my parents are um, and, and how they raised me and, and, and the message they gave me overall. As, but as far as I'm actually quoting them saying that one time, that, that I don't think that ever happened. Um, I just found it really... Once again, like like with Shira Shirim, right? It's all metaphoric. You know? right, right, exactly, exactly. I just found, I just found it really um, kind of... I don't, uh, the word I'm looking for is, um, I don't know, I can't think of the word right now, but uh, really just, I guess, um, relatable and also very, very vulnerable, you know, um, coming from like a kid's perspective, you know, of 
what they how they see the good goodness in people even before or any of this other stuff enters their life when you're a kid like in the music video we have like you know a white kid and a black kid like just going to hug each other and there's like they're, they're not looking at each other's skin they're just like they're there and they're enjoying each other's presence and they're both human beings you know like so before all like the rest of the world and everybody starts telling you things like what is that you know pentalil yid you know like inside of you like that's just like enjoy like loves life loves being alive and and sees the good in other people and um and how how high we can go with just that you know we don't need anything else that's great that's great i think that uh, it seems that you're most vulnerable where you really sort of opened yourself up and your own personal story was i don't know if it's your most recent i'm gonna open it up over here the clip i don't know if this is your most recent one but if it's if only you'd love yourself and I want to play this clip over here. If only you'd love yourself, maybe you can tell the story behind this. Here we go. Cause with the love like that, you change the world and it would love you back. And with the love like yours, you'd save somebody who could save one more. This one is a this is a real tearjerker. This one. So, what is the story behind this? Um, this one's unique in the sense that um, I actually did not write most of it. I I, I contributed a a lot, but um, someone came to me with an idea actually, and uh, it was meant for something else completely at first. Um, it was meant for like TV and film placement, and then we kind of changed it a little bit and. Um, I got really attached to it and I, clarify and, what what does that mean it was meant for TV placement like sometimes people will just um, make like production music like um, music just for background stuff in TV and film and people do that just to make an extra buck or to get their music out there in a new way but not for like an artist release you know not for, got it okay um but um the more I the more I did the song the more I got attached to it and um I, I had like these, just a really good feeling about that. It was like, it was like my brand. It was like, it was me. I felt like it was really me. And I was like, I want to, let's change it from just being a back end production thing that they might place on a TV show to like, I want to release it as an artist. And um, I, it, 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 um, it, for me, it addressed like, along with my, um, the journey I spoke about earlier, changing my lifestyle and all that um, with my family, but I've gone through uh, and still do go through, um, you know, depression and um, anxiety and stuff. And it's always been a part of my um, struggle and also my inspiration slash downfall, you know, all of the above of in music. And this song kind of just spoke to me like it was like me coming clean for the first time in a sense when I sang it. So about that. And so like, I wouldn't say that's all encompassing, you know, about me and my music, but it, it's a big aspect of me that I never shared or never really did a song about as um even though even though it still is cryptic if you listen to it but if you see the music video i tried to be more um articulate about what exactly is going on and so in the video i have people holding signs you know about um what they're insecure about in their life you know all different people strangers that came into the music video which was awesome and they just held signs they're willing to hold that said what they're insecure about in their life and then for me it was like you know what i've gone through with depression and um just kind of, you know, for me, it was kind of a freeing idea um, to use my music and to, and to possibly, because, you know, it's it's a really it's really bad these days. And unfortunately, it's gotten worse as I've, you know, gotten older, adolescents and teenagers with depression has like skyrocketed. Um, so I thought it would service anyone going to just be able to look to it and know that, you know, and and there there's you know a good amount of artists trying to address this issue. I wanted to give my take on it, so that's what this was. Yeah. Sure. What kind of response has it gotten? The song, the music video. Do you do you hear from your listeners, from your fans? Do they, do they share with you what the song has done for them? 
Yeah, and that makes it all worth it. You know, sometimes you 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 have really bad days or really bad weeks or even months in the music industry, and it's like I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. And uh, people don't realize the comments they make, uh, how they could shape somebody choosing to continue doing what they do or feel good about it. I mean, so people have said things to me like the really crazy things that I um more more crazy with this song than any other because of what I guess what I did with it, what I said about it, you know um people who were on the brink of you know suicidal thoughts and things like that coming you know messaging me and saying that it, it helped them and and really um intense actually a little too too intense like i'm not equipped to even talk to some to some people going through that but just to be someone who's there i guess and putting out music that can help somebody or make them feel a little more in a positive direction that they're not alone you know so I got a lot of messages, even whether from people themselves or like a lot, uh, a lot of parents tell me about their kid um, and then showing it to their kid and then, you know, connecting with them that way. Um, so it's been definitely different on every, every angle for me. Cause it's not like a feel, it's not like this feel good thing, like a lucky day or um, it's yeah, very vulnerable. And, and I hope to try to explore more and do more kind of, of that vulnerable side to myself uh, with the new stuff that I'm working on. Yeah. Wow. You know, I don't want to belabor a point that I've made previously on other episodes of the podcast, but I, I, I would be remiss to not point out that here you are as someone who's extremely talented, extremely creative, creative, extremely dedicated to your craft, which is, which is one of creativity and also, as you say, you struggle with anxiety and, and, and depression. And it's just a theme that we keep going back to in the podcast. And that is that, you know, creativity comes from a very, very, very deep neshama. And very deep neshamas, very deep souls also seem to be vulnerable to things like sadness and depression. You know, like Rabbi Nachman says, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov speaks about it a lot. Your music is very Rabbi Nachman of Breslov-esque, you know, in your, in your overall message. Um, uh, but it really does seem like, like, you know, there's, there's this connection when you meet people that are just, you know, these deep souls who, you know, on the one hand have these struggles of sadness and depression and anxiety, but also are able to use that and be able to find this wellspring of creativity and something to put forth into the world to, to touch people in the deepest way. Yeah. Truthfully, um, it could be used as a weapon, like the thing itself that the that strikes you down can be used as a weapon to you rise up you could be stronger than anybody else like uh somebody made a comment i don't even know who it was but they said like just randomly on, on my, one of my pages was like you're a really strong person and like i, and I was like one of the most shocking <laughs> i've ever gotten um people have said all kinds of things to me uh, but i've never heard that before and i was like i was like wait a second like like maybe because you know when someone goes through this stuff and they're able to keep going and they're like maybe they are stronger than regular people because they lifted heavier weights than other people you know and 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 they lifted them all the way up you know and so they have a bigger muscle you know so i don't know but it it's um yeah i don't know i was going with that but <laughs> yeah it's powerful it's powerful powerful stuff so here the one more clip i want to play because you've mentioned a couple of times lucky day which is more of an upbeat one and i see over here in your bio it says that this song lucky day was picked up as the official theme song for the fall 2018 hannah anderson commercial right yeah yeah lucky day's been on a, a, a probably the most tv and, and film out of all my songs because it's just so you know Lucky day-ish, you know? It's lucky day-ish. Let's hear it. Hang on, hang on a second. I want to play this one for our listeners. I'm feeling so fine. It's going to be my lucky day. When the stars align and clouds have gone away. We're big enough to feel the Milky Way. And we're not afraid. It's my lucky day. Gonna fly around the Really can't you can't listen to this song and not become happier 
after you listen to the song. I mean, it really just, it's, it's, it's just that. Yeah. Did, did you write this one to be a commercial song or was it, I see here it says that it was picked up by a commercial. Oh yeah, it was picked up meaning it was, it was like one of those songs that, um, it was just a song that got that got chosen as a theme song for a, a commercial campaign, which was- So you, you wrote it just as a solo artist song to put out there? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you the story behind the song, but um, just to say, Hannah, just to say what Hannah Anderson is like a high, um, high I guess a, a high quality pajama line. I don't know. It, it but whatever. I guess a lot of a lot of people know what it is. A lot of people don't know what it is. But yeah, this song's been on like a lot of TV shows and stuff because of of the vibe of it. But um, this song was actually written um, when my band was kind of still together. We wrote it, um, and I actually didn't release it at first. It was put out by another artist that was um signed to sony records um and they had like a lot of a lot of stuff going on and they needed another good song and so um they took it um it was kind of bittersweet because it was going to be actually a song for my band at the last uh the very end of my journey with them we were going to put it out as part of our ep and then uh we we found out there was interest through someone we were working with for, for another band to take it and Everyone's like, you can't turn this down. You can't turn down, you know, being a songwriter for major label artists, you know. And so it was kind of bittersweet and weird, but um, we ended up doing it. And they, this other band put out the song. Um, they changed the some of the verses, some verse lyrics, and the producer kind of took a lot of our ideas and just replicated them, which is pretty frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's like you add tambourine, and it's like, now we want 30%, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. <laughs> um, so th- that didn't, re- I mean, it did some cool things also, but um, I'm a little biased. I think ours was a lot better. And <laughs> after after a while, um, that band kind of dissipated also. Um, and then it's like, I think I'm just going to release it now officially the one we wanted to. And I'm a solo artist now. So um, I put it out as, you know, Dustin Paul song and um, kind of pushed it my own out, my own way. So there are two lucky days out there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm not gonna say the name of the artist because uh, I didn't say I didn't necessarily say positive things. <laughs> but if you if someone really is interested, they can you know, do their own research. But um, they're they're still nice guys and everything like that. It's just the way the industry works, you know. <laughs> Before we go, tell me just a little bit of at what stage in your life spark? Because we discussed a lot of your music, but I'd love to just end off hearing a little bit more about your spiritual journey. Like what. What sparked it? You said you grew up in a not so observant home. You're obviously now beautiful. You have a, a, a observant Orthodox home, family. At what point did that journey begin? What and what kind of sparked it? Um. So the, the awesome thing is my whole family changed together. Um. And it, um, when I was you know pre preteen kind of, um. My parents were always very spiritual people and they asked questions when they were growing up about Judaism and my grandparents didn't know any really know much and they would say oh just you don't ask those questions and stuff which is like so anti-Jewish actually it, now that I know what I know I mean um to say you don't ask questions and, and you know they sent my mother to a rabbi who just like gave her a homage and said here there's your answer like not really you know I'm you know helping so my you know, my parents um went into all these different religions and explored everything and um, ended up nowhere really. And then uh, my sister, long story short, my sister missed a cutoff date for public school. Like it was a cutoff date. Like if you don't, if you're unborn by a certain date, you either have to be a year ahead or a year behind. I don't know. I don't really know how it works, but so in order for her to be a year ahead and not a year behind, which is ideal, I guess, for a lot of people, um, she had to go to a private school for a year. Um, I, I, again, I have no idea logically how this makes any sense or why this is the way it is. I don't know if it still is, but so she ended up going to this place called Shalom Torah Academy in New Jersey. And um, suddenly she started bringing home like these pamphlets, like the meaning of life through Judaism. And so my, and my parents were like, there's, there's an actual people talk about this in Judaism, you know, like uh, growing up, we were always, you know, sh- you know, told not to ask those questions. So then we uh, ended up spending the next two years in Lakewood every Shabbos um, with some amazing rabbis um from this place called the Jewish Learning Center that I don't think really exists anymore or maybe it does but it's different rabbis um and then it was a whole that was a you know hard time in my life because I was excited at the same time it was like I'm, I'm switching from public school to you know 
um, Jewish day school and do I want to do it? And I had a really hard time transitioning. Um, got bullied a lot. It's another part of my, um, probably part of my depression. I don't know. I got bullied a lot going into groups of kids who knew each other their whole life, you know, pretty tight knit. A lot of these Jewish day schools are very tight knit group, groups of friends, you know, and like I had a very difficult class. Um, it uh, also goes back to what we said before. Also, when, when people are sensitive, the, the sensitive souls, the deep souls that are out there, other children don't know what to do with that. And 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 it, it frightens them. So what they sort of do is just they just kind of, you know, go hard on that kid because they sense that there's something here that's that's it's, you know, it's 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 drawing something out of them. Yeah, kids went kids went pretty hard on me. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that's that's really I just from then on I went to uh, back and forth between public and, and private for a year or two uh, with different issues, and ended up going to Israel after high school. Um, and yeah, I mean it just it it always from the very even before that like I was also like I think I I remember just davening before I even knew what davening was you know. Mm -hmm. I right. felt like I was always there or, or from the start. I just didn't uh, know where, who or what I was directing it towards um, as much as when I started to learn. Um, but yeah, thank God it all it all fits into place and the pieces fit together. And I'm still trying to make them fit together like everybody on earth. But exactly. I, more than before, more than before, thank God, yeah. <laughs> more than, I, I would not want to relive those years. And people, I mean, they were, you know, it's fun being a kid, but it's not easy when you're confused and you go through things that you're not maybe ready for. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Listen, we, I see we're running out of time. I feel like there's so much more to say. Here's what I want to ask you. I want to ask you an unfair question that it could probably take you a really long time to come up with the correct answer, but just I'll regalach us on one leg. Someone says you have to decide in the next uh, 10 seconds, because that's all you have time now to answer the question where I'm offering you a billboard that the entire world will see. And you can put uh, some of your song lyrics. You can put one or two lyrics up that will really capture the message that you want to share with the entire world. Which lyrics are you putting up? Without spending <laughs> too much time, I would just put, um, if your heart is still beating, it's a good day to be alive. I love it. If your heart's still beating, it's a good day to be alive. Well, that's the way we brought in the podcast, and that's right. the way we're we're gonna close it out. It is a good day to be alive. Dustin, David, thank you so much for your time. This is awesome. Your music is awesome. Thank you for all that you do for our family, and thank you for all that you do for music and for the world. And you should continue inspiring people. Everyone can listen to your music on Spotify, right? Dustin Paul, where else? Where else could they find you? Um, YouTube, Apple, everywhere that, um, all the places, yeah. but, um, thank you very much, Rabbi, for having me and for all that you do. And, uh, don't, uh, don't, don't escape, you know, your accomplishments and what you're bringing to the table here. Cause you're an inspiration to me. So keep doing what you do. Thank you for having me and making me a part of this amazing thing that you're doing now. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast and you can always go to rabbishlomo.com for more great content and resources and to connect directly with me.